Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love the NFL. I watch every game every week and I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 80. We're actually going to talk about results from the Combine. Like I said, if you're a Dynasty Freak, this is like the best time of year. You're watching the Combine, you're getting excited about all these rookies, starting to put together your draft boards and One of the things that I do every year is I put together my rookie rankings before the NFL Combine, and then after the Combine, I go adjust my rankings and take note of the players that have moved up or down based on the athletic testing that takes place during the Combine. Now, to be fair, I don't let the Combine results affect my rookie rankings too much, um, especially at the top of my board, because film and college production is far more important to me than testing. However, I do allow that athletic testing that takes place at the Combine to affect the players' values really more so in the middle to the back end of my rankings. And so people more in the back ends can really jump up quite a bit based on this. Of course, the the biggest changing point is going to be after the NFL draft. Then landing spots and draft capital will change values dramatically. So I want to caution that you don't use the combine to uh, completely change the values, particularly at the top of your boards. So among my top 20, there were a couple little things that I shifted. Uh, based on the combine, not much. You can go look uh, look those up, of course, on my rookies page of the dynastyfreaks.com. But uh, I want to talk today about 10 players that made notable jumps in my rookie rankings as a result of their athletic testing over these last four days of the combine. So let's jump right into it. We'll talk about 10 guys. They're in the order of what I now have them ranked. And so here's what we'll go with. Number one is going to be controversial is A.J. Dillon. I have him ranked number 15, where before I had him ranked number 29. So like I said, A.J. Dillon's going to be one of the most debated players in this year's draft. He's the biggest surprise riser in my mind, truly. Earlier in the year when I watched this film, the film of Dillon, all I could see was just a massive lumbering guy that just ran guys over because he was bigger than them. His college production was incredible. He averaged more than 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns per season, including a freshman breakout year with 1,589 yards rushing. Still, I only ranked him number 29 because I just didn't think he was athletic enough to play in the increasingly pass-happy NFL. He had only 21 receptions in college. That's pretty crazy. Only 21 in all of college. So, But I have to say that his great day at the Combine changed my mind, even though it will likely not change other analysts' minds. I've even heard some of the podcasts I listen to have said this changes nothing for them, and they don't believe him. Well, I'm going to put myself firmly in that other camp, kind of plant a flag a little bit here. I just think at 247 pounds, he ran a 4.53 40-yard dash and a 7.19 in a three-cone drill. He proved to be much faster and quicker than what I witnessed on film. Yeah, he also, this is pretty impressive, had the highest vertical jump of 41 inches among the running backs and the uh, longest broad jump of uh, 31 inches, uh, 131 inches, that rather. And so that's the best of the entire running back class. So he's proven with speed and quickness that he's got what it takes. But then these other two, the vertical jump and the broad jump, really talk about the explosivity of a, of a power and the power behind him. And so I think it was enough to change my mind. And I've moved him up to number 15, which makes him a sixth ranked rookie running back in my class. Um, he's still 
Uh, I, I, he'll still be the first and second down back only in the, in the NFL, I believe. I don't think he's just going to learn how to catch the ball really well. But he could score a lot of touchdowns from short yardage um, and because of his speed from long distances as well. So he's the guy that I moved up now to 15, firmly at the start of the second round, where before I had him outside of the second round at number 29. Second player I'll talk about will be Justin Herbert. I moved him not as much, but I moved him. Uh, he's moved up to number 18, where he was 25. So the most important part of the combine for NFL teams is arguably the medical testing and the interviews, of course. And I believe this is even more important for the quarterback position. And from all the reports and things that I read and listened to, Herbert seems to have impressed everyone in his interviews, leading many actually to even speculate that he could be the second quarterback taken in the NFL draft ahead of Burrow. Of course, depends on what happens with Tua's injury and, and what, what they really think about that. But that alone, just that buzz alone, was enough for me to bump him up in my rankings. But then what he did athletically made me move him up a little bit higher, from number 25, like I said, to number 18. Uh, first of all, he's a prototypical size for an NFL quarterback. He's 6'6", 236 pounds. Uh, he did you know, have a blazing 40, but he did run a 4.68 40-yard dash. Uh, finished second among the quarterbacks in vertical jump, which doesn't mean a lot, except maybe shows a little bit of explosion. Uh, third in the class in the broad jump. And first in the three-cone drill, which is pretty interesting, 7.06 seconds. So he's checked really every box to be drafted within the first 10 picks of the NFL draft. Likely, some are even saying within the first six, which means he's going to get every opportunity to start as a rookie. So now I see him as a mid-first-round pick in super flex leagues and then a mid-second-round pick in one-quarterback leagues. Next guy that moved up for me was Keyshawn Vaughn. I moved him, not a ton, but I moved him from number 26 up to number 20. Uh, Vaughn did not participate in most of the combine drills, so you really couldn't see a ton there. His broad jump and vertical, vertical jump were pretty unimpressive, while his 40-yard dash time was pretty solid. Uh, 4.51 at 214 pounds is pretty impressive. Uh, that was the ninth fastest running back time. What impressed me the most, however, was watching him in the running and passing drill. So nothing that you could measure. It was more just what I saw with my eyes. I think that he could become an every-down back if he's drafted to a team where he'd have a chance to compete for the full-time job. Now, there's kind of a lot of good running backs out there, so it would kind of depend on where he lands. But I just think that his versatility and his years of experience, uh, five years with given the, uh, given the redshirt year that he had, too, when he transferred to Vanderbilt, um, I think just the experience and his versatility for me have made me move him ahead of someone that's equally experienced and versatile like Zach Moss. I've actually got Keyshawn Vaughn now ranked ahead of Zach Moss, who moved down in my rookie rankings after he did not look very good in the combine compared to what I saw in Vaughn, just mostly from the eye test. Next guy that I'll mention is Donovan Peoples-Jones. I moved him from number 32 up to number 23, so a pretty significant jump of 11 spots for him. Peoples-Jones is one of the most highly recruited high school wide receivers in Michigan before signing with the Wolverines. Uh, the five-star athlete, though, was never really able to break out. However, uh, mainly I think that was because of his poor quarterback play. There's just not enough, uh, when I was trying to judge what I thought of him, there just wasn't enough film on Peoples-Jones to make me uh, rank him very high in my initial rookie rankings because he only had 103 receptions in three years at Michigan. That's not very many. And I didn't really like what I saw. And so I wanted to reconsider my stance on him um, after the combine, since most expert, experts predicted that he would be a combine phenom, since he showed that kind of athleticism in high school already. And he was just that. His size, um, he has the size to be an outside 
uh, wide receiver in the NFL because he's 6'2 and 212 pounds. Also has the 10 and 1 8 inch hands. Uh, but he actually registered the highest vertical jump at 44.5 inches and the longest broad jump at 139 inches. So in the receiver class, those things mean a lot. If you can have the highest vertical jump and the, the biggest broad jump, show a lot about your explosion, of course, how you can high point balls with that um, incredible vertical jump. He also ran a very respectable 4.48 in the 40-yard dash. So I think this, this is the bottom line. I think given his pedigree, I think NFL teams are going to love these measurables and they're going to move him up. And as they move him up on their board, um, I think that I'm going to do the same and move him up in my board. So I moved him from the start of the third round at number 32, to now I consider him at the very end of the second round to pick number 23. Next guy that I'll mention is, uh, changed my mind on a little bit, is Denzel Mims. I moved him up to number 26 from number 44. So he made an 18-point swing here. Oh, I've got to be honest here. While I'm still skeptical about Mims because I was very unimpressed by his film and I was very unimpressed on how Baylor actually uses their wide receivers and how they've fared in the NFL overall, I just felt like I had to move him up in my rankings because, the, because of the combine because I know NFL teams are going to move him up in their rankings. Uh, he was off the charts with his 6.6 time in the three-cone drill, just ridiculous, as was his 40-yard dash, a 4.38 and so just those two things alone, I think, are going to make NFL teams think that they have to take a chance just on his athleticism. Um, he added to his athletic profile by having the fourth longest broad jump at 131 inches, the 10th highest vertical jump at 38.5. I just had to go back. Also, I think one of the things that maybe I, I didn't believe that I had to go back and read some reports on, which I did, I went back and read some of the things that people were writing about him in the Senior Bowl, that during those practices in particular, he was turning heads and turning heads of the scouts, and people were writing about how great he was playing in those practices leading up to the Senior Bowl. Um, so I went back and read those, and to use the uh, football guys term, if you're familiar with the football guys, they talk about what they call the steady drumbeat. And I feel like with Denzel, there's been that steady drumbeat. It's been moving steadily. Steady. It started, of course, with his great senior season, started beating when it went to senior bowl practices, and now he's had this combine where he's just been moving up boards and moving up boards. And so I felt like if the NFL's doing it, I need to do it too. Next guy I'll mention is Eno Benjamin. I moved him not so much higher, but I did have him ranked at number 33, but I moved him back up to number 28. Now, the fact is that I had Eno actually ranked higher than number 28 when I first put together my rookie rankings. But I moved him down to number th uh, 33 after he only weighed 195 pounds at the Senior Bowl. That really, really concerned me that he was that light. But here at the Combine, you know, weeks later, he shows up at 207 pounds. And so that alone made me more eager to move him back up in my rankings, especially if he proved that he could do uh, be athletic, which, of course, he did. He ran a very respectable 4.57 in the 40-yard dash. More importantly, he had the second-fastest three-cone drill among running backs at 6.95. And this is exactly what I wanted, wanted to see from him. His quickness is exactly what I wanted to see because I think I predict him to be kind of a split role back in the NFL, functioning primarily as a passing downs back. He got 35 passes his sophomore season at Arizona State, 42 passes his junior year before he declared for the draft. He's an excellent, excellent receiver who runs routes like a wide receiver. And his 6.95 quickness on that three-cone, to me, is proof that he can do it in the passing game for an NFL team. If he's drafted to a team that knows how to use him best, I think he's going to rise quite a bit higher than number 28 in my rankings. I like what I see in Benjamin, uh, given that he can get a role like he should. 
Next, uh, this one's a little bit embarrassing. I have Darrington Evans. I had him. Num- I have now have him ranked number thirty-four, where before he was outside of my top seventy-two. If you follow my website, you see that I kind of keep a list of seventy-two rankings. So basically, a twelve-team six-round draft. In case some of you are in leagues that actually have six rounds in twelve teams, uh, so I keep it capped at about seventy-two. And he was outside of all of it. So I have to admit that I missed on this one. Um, I'm not alone in that, at least, though, because I I went actually to the DLF website today and saw that Evans was not ranked in the top 50 by four out of their seven rankers. So I'm not the only one that missed on this. Um, After he posted his second fastest 40-yard dash time of 4.41, just behind, of course, Jonathan Taylor's uh, 4.39, I decided that I had to look at the film for the first time. And after I did, I was impressed. I immediately moved him up to number 34 overall, putting him firmly into the third round um, of rookie drafts. And so he was a Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year last year while racking up 1,678 total yards and 23 touchdowns. I didn't, my goodness, talk about being um, incredibly productive. He wins a speed, um, so I don't think that he's the best back between the tackles. But if you give him a crease on a pitch or like an outside zone run, he can take anything to the house. He's decent size too, um, 5'10", 203 pounds. So, of course, played at Appalachian State, so he didn't have the toughest um, opponents to go up against. But just watching the opponents that he played against, you had to take notice of him. I should have noticed him earlier. He's now on my radar. And if he signs with a team and an offense that fits his running style, he could actually move up more in my rankings. would be really curious to see who takes a chance on him in the draft. That's going to make a big difference for me. Next guy that I'll mention is Devin Duvernay. I moved him from number 46 to number 39. So yes, this is my fellow Texas Longhorn. I just moved him up a few spots, primarily just based on his speed and quickness. Duvernay ran the fifth fastest 40-yard dash among the wideouts at 4.39. He also posted the 12th best three-cone time at 7.13. So the 40 time, of course, is very, very impressive, while the three-cone time is decent. Actually, all the receivers didn't run like excellent three-cone times this year. It was pretty pretty bad class altogether, so 7.13 was among the best. Um, I think that Duvernay is poised to fit a particular role on whichever team uh, drafts him. He could be a perfect fit as a short yardage underneath underneath the coverage pass catcher. I know that's how he bailed out my Longhorns consistently on third and short situations last year. All the time, you'd get you'd, we'd throw it to him and get the first down. And I think if he gets a creative coach that use, learns how to use his speed, um, he could be also a guy that's used on jet sweeps, much like Debo Samuel did a lot his rookie season last year. He's an end-of-the-fourth-round dynasty draft pick for me. Uh, he could move up a bit more if he's drafted by a team that has an innovative offensive coach that would use him underneath and on those jet sweeps and things like that. Two more guys that I'll mention, number nine would be Adam Trotman. I uh, moved him from number 41, or from number 59 to number 41. Um, as expected, the tight end class was uh, was overall not very impressive. Um, I only had four tight ends ranked in my top 50 rookies right now, but Trotman uh, did do enough at the combine to be ranked now as my number two tight end in the class behind Cole Clement, um, who was predicted, of course, to be the first tight end drafted in the NFL draft. There's just, he, there's just one thing in the combine that caused me to do it, just one thing, and that was his three-cone time because he ran the third fastest three-cone at the entire combine. That means put in all the receivers, all the running backs, all the DBs, all the linebackers, all the edge players, and he was the third fastest at 6.78. 
It's impressive enough time to cause me to, to cause me to believe that he's going to get draft, drafted in the NFL draft earlier than teams expected. So most tight ends, of course, take time to produce for dynasty teams, especially if they've played at Dayton College like he did, Dayton University against much inferior opponents than the other tight ends in this class. But I think there's guys like Dallas Goddard that have proved that that you can come from a small school and be a tight end and be, you know, a really good prospect in the NFL and thrive and even for our sake of dynasty become fantasy relevant. And so I think he's going to be the next in the line of Dallas Goddard's that maybe take a little bit of time, but Goddard is already a top 12 tight end for me, even though he's behind Ertz. I think in a few years, Troutman could be the same, uh, particularly if he can show that quickness that he showed in that three-cone drill. And finally, last on my list is Chase Claypool. Um, I have him now ranked number 46, where, um, like um, Darrington Evans, I did not have him ranked in my top 72 before this. So he's moved all the way up to number 46, where before he was unranked. Uh, So like I said, Claypool was another player that was not on my radar, was out of my top 72 rookies before the combine. Um, I'm not alone in this, because two of the seven rankers at DLF also did not have him ranked in their top 50. So I think, though, after a composite combine score that literally only compared to that of Calvin Johnson um, at the combine. Ridiculous. He's now on everyone's radar. Um, So I did go back and I watched the film and I saw a few things that I liked, most notably his size. He is 6'4", 238 pounds, so he looks like an enormous receiver. Um, I think he looks more like a tight end, actually. His frame and leaping ability uh, made him excellent in the red zone uh, for Notre Dame. And for a big guy, he actually has pretty nimble feet, uh, making a lot of toe-tapping grabs and sideline catches in the end zone. Um, I think that his production at Notre Dame is really what concerns me, though. Uh, not breaking out until his senior season when, he, you know, it's good for a senior season. He had 1,037 yards and 13 touchdowns, but had only about half of that in the previous seasons. And so I'm not going to move him up more than this unless he lands on the perfect NFL team. I think he has a lot more that he has to be refined and... Um, but certainly if you look at what he did in the Combine, it's the most impressive uh, athlete at the Combine. But that's just enough for me to at least put him at number 46, get into my top 50, and then we'll see if he can rise uh, much from there. But I'm not going to buy in probably as much as most people who will move him up their boards a little bit more significantly than that. So I appreciate you guys giving a listen. These are 10 players that I think uh, affected or changed their outlook, rising in my rankings after the Combine. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. As always, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I am much better on email than I am on Twitter, so the best way to contact me is with dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I would be honored if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast at Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to be your most trusted and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. You know what to do until next time. Go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.